Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today I'm on with Trevor Furry. Trevor, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, everyone. My name is Trevor Furry. I grew up in Maryland, moved to North Carolina to go to North Carolina State University, and during my summer before my senior year, I interned at IBM, and then now I work full-time for IBM, and I also run a startup on the side. How did you get started um, working at IBM? What was that process like? Yeah, so I can very distinctly remember during my junior year, I was thinking I really need to get like a, a, just a good internship where I can really immerse myself into data and kind of come to a conclusion with data. And what I did is I applied to any job or internship that I could find online that had the word analyst in it. And I have some visualization that I created where I basically applied to around 60 different internships during that year and got accepted or offered a internship position with, I think, three. And I ended up choosing to go to IBM and Really, before that, I had never taken a marketing class before, so I had no idea what I was getting myself into and ended up taking the marketing analyst intern position out of the RTP Research Triangle Park in North Carolina office, so right by NC State, and really spent the whole summer learning about marketing and applying data, and I even remember the first day. I was at the internship. I asked my internship coordinator, I was like, I don't even know what B2B and B2C mean. Like, I just really want to work with data and who can I like do that with marketing in and really just got immersed in the data that whole summer while learning learning marketing on the side. Wow. That's really cool. So you knew you wanted to do data. How did you figure that out? So like I mentioned, I grew up in Maryland and love Maryland, but decided I needed a change of scenery. So I ended up going to North Carolina State and I thought I wanted to do engineering and didn't get accepted into engineering, but went into the exploratory studies program. So kind of don't have a major for the first few years and figure out what you want to do. So ended up finding out very quickly, didn't want to go too hard into like the physics and the calculus. So I ended up moving towards economics, but Really, the biggest thing towards being focused on analytics and data is my freshman year during the spring, I went to a speed data in event where professors who want to do research with students are able to meet with them, kind of chat. And I actually met with a professor there who had just moved from University of Maryland and I had just moved from Maryland. So we got to chatting and He was working on data revolving around Twitter and looking at locations of users and asked if I wanted to volunteer and I reached out to him and that's really where I got started in the data and analytics. So I really just fell into it, I guess you could say. Wow. That is very interesting because it reminds me of an experience I had uh, many years ago. When I was just 17, I was talking to a high school professor just right after I had graduated high school. And he said, I have this idea for an app. Do you want to help me build it? And I said, 
Yes, absolutely. And that was my first business experience. And he paid me, you know, a couple hundred dollars a week or something, something we agreed on. And I advised him, planned, drew out, you know, figured out how the, you know, I did all the wireframes, all the design, all of the marketing. Um, and then he promised me 15% and didn't give it to me. So I walked away. And um, then I started, you know, a whole series of other internships. I kind of got that business fire. I was like, I could do this. Um, <laughs> but awesome. But it it reminded me of what you said, because it's kind of like, you know, you, you have to say yes to the opportunity. And that's how you learn, you know, that it's the thing for you. Like, it, it finds you in a sense, but you have to be open to it. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I when I was talking to him, the professor, Professor Rand at North Carolina State, I, I had no idea, like, I was just like, I knew how to use Excel on my computer, like I'd made spreadsheets before, but ended up like grabbing all of this data for him and ending up analyzing and kind of just like progressing through it and really building that love for, like you said, like the application of data and like doing everything around the business. And so I totally agree. Have you always been like a more technical person or like, were you one of those kids who was like always on a computer kind of like trying to figure stuff out? Um, or when, when did you kind of get into it? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I definitely, I mean, I grew up during like the Minecraft craze, like trying to learn how to like throw up a server and like getting my dad to help me and like learning all the commands for the world, like definitely got into that sense of like very technical, but I wouldn't, I, I, I mean, at high school, I never took like a computer science class or anything. Like really once I got to college, I really even like once again through the research is really when I got into like the really technical things of like, and I say really technical, but like programming languages like R and Python and like really getting into the data. But before then it wasn't anything too structured, I guess you could say in the technical sense. Mm hmm. It was more of an inclination. And then you kind of learned that applicable, monetizable form of that, yeah. of that tendency. Yeah, exactly. Where all the resources go, you know? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So you probably really liked your time in college. Yeah. I mean, I, from when I sent the email freshman year to work on research, I, continue to work on research and like different projects until I graduated. So, and even and graduated in the spring of 2020. So in the height of the pandemic, so even got to work for a little bit longer over the summer with uh, my IBM start getting pushed back a few months, but really just that whole experience and ending up getting to run projects basically, or like kind of lead them to a point where, and the biggest one being the one that created my startup and is the underlying technology, like being able to apply it so much and then continuing to build off of that as it was super exciting in the technical sense. Do you want to talk more about your startup? Uh, sure. Yeah. So just to give a quick, like quick description of what we're, what we do is it's advanced social media analytics for businesses and basically think about it as like a in-depth social listening tool and just really providing 
more insights in a quicker fashion for businesses. Nice. Yeah, I can see why that's valuable. I mean, it's, uh, I think analytics tools have a way to go. And, um, well, let me ask you this. How does it differ from Google Analytics or the Google suite of, you know, things like trends and such? Yeah, so I think that's a really good point. And really, like, speaking of Google Analytics, like, it's very focused on your company, right, and your pages and how those are performing. But with the startup and the analytics there, it's very focused on seeing the whole picture and, like, what the public is saying rather than just what is on your website or just looking at your account stats, I guess you could say. So I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about how you got into marketing. Like, how did you make that jump between, you know, I'm doing research, I love data, to I'm going to, you know, I'm going to become a marketer. Um, How'd you do that? Yeah. And I think it comes back to um, how I went about trying to get that last internship before I graduated from college and applying to all those analysts. And I think it came down more to... IBM as a company sounded more intriguing and like I'd be able to accomplish a lot more. I heard great things about the internship program and really knew that if I went to that marketing analyst intern role, I would definitely be able to just have more access to data and be able to have this higher level project that I could work on in a business sense as well. So just knowing that I felt that I couldn't turn that down and I knew going into the internship that my number one goal is I want to build a predictive model that can be applied in marketing. And really all summer, like that was always in the back of my head. And I think that's like a huge thing for anybody that has an internship. It's good to do the project. And like you definitely should focus on the project that the team that you're interning for gives you. But definitely have a goal in the back of your mind that you really want to accomplish by the time the internship ends as well. Did you do it? Yeah, of course. It was, I, I had to do it. It was my, it was my main goal. So I ended up using R and basically looking at all these variables to figure out a percentage likelihood. And during our final presentation had a good visualization that kind of showed the progression and how, the variables impacted the likelihood and yeah, it was a, it was a hit, I would say. That's amazing. Would you say you're more analytically minded or business minded? I'm, I would say a hundred percent analytically. Like, so I think this comes back to like being able to apply those analytics, but knowing the underlying business and how it's impacting it is the biggest thing. And I think just working at IBM for the past year, I've just been able to see like the business being changed by how we're applying these different data techniques and how being able to craft this data set into these insights can impact the business is huge. And that's really like the number one goal. And I think it comes back to like, you have to learn these business kind of skills as you go along and kind of building them up, but having that core foundation of the analytics and being able to solve a problem with them makes it so much easier to kind of understand the combination of the two. Interesting. 
Yeah, I think I think business context is like a multiplier for analytical talent. So if you know how to do like an, an analysis or research or answer a question, if you if you understand the context that that question is answered in, then the value can be multiplied. And so if you're analytically minded and you understand the business context, then you know which of those paths to take, um, which one's going to have the biggest impact on the uh, the greater business, not just what's like the coolest analysis or what is the most interesting. It's it's actually like which one connects best to the solution that we need, kind of like a problem solving mindset. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think that's what I realized during my internship with IBM. So interning out of the RTP marketing office, I was the only marketing analyst intern at the program in that location, and. I quickly realized that like the analytics that I would do with this team will only really be applied in this marketing department. And once I realized that there was a larger marketing analytics team, I very quickly like needed to figure out how to get switched to that and just be able to basically, like you said, like impact the bigger business. Because if you can apply this to every dip, every single different marketing department at IBM rather than that just one specific location it's just a bigger impact right and having that underlying analytical capabilities that just makes it even more powerful and you can make it more robust you can scale it and just give it to more and more teams with the most efficient way to do it so uh, we were talking a little bit before this about your experience with organic marketing um, analytics. What, what do you think is kind of the biggest value of looking at organic marketing analytics in a business? As soon as you mention organic, I immediately go to organic search. And with a lot of my underlying research that I did during my, my undergrad revolving around social media analytics, so like analyzing text from tweets and all of that, I just have like a vast love for NLP, natural language processing, and all of the capabilities there. So just being able to, I mean, something as simple like assigning a topic to a group of keywords and being able to see the trends over time and like what different topics are emerging over time and can you see what's about to come up and can you capitalize on it and just all of these different aspects of being able to capitalize on SEO, search engine optimization, and like just the entire organic search space. I just think there's so much that can be done there with what people are searching for. What is the most interesting part of marketing that you have experienced or learned about? I guess you could say it simply as the customer journey, right? So basically being able to see like every single interaction that an individual has with a brand and seeing how all like what is the most optimized way that we can get someone from point a to point b so that they pay right like there's so many different things that can impact it like i mean it's something as simple as like i'm watching monday night football and i see a watson fantasy trade app like does that increase my likelihood that i will purchase cloud pack for data from IBM. I don't know, like in someone that's not looking to purchase it and someone that is like, is that an effective way to like show all of these capabilities and kind of seeing like basically this huge web of like every interaction that a customer has with a brand and being able to see like 
this is how we need to do it. And then being able to execute that, like, I, I mean, that's obviously like a gold mine, but that's the most interesting thing for me. Do you want to explore 10 years in the future with me for a moment? Yeah, of course. Why not? Okay. So let's say that that is true. Um, that in 10 years, we not only have, um, you know, a machine learning model that can understand the best times to reach a customer and the best context, but we also have a layer of technology in society where we can also show that ad to the customer at any time, anywhere there, everything is digital. There's LCDs everywhere, LEDs everywhere. Sorry, LCDs. Yeah. They just follow you, right? Yeah, they're just every. It's everywhere. It's in the sky. You know, every yeah. every single thing. So, the, so we're pushing this out ten years because I think in ten years there's a good chance that that's possible. Uh, maybe maybe more. Uh, maybe more years are needed, but it seems like that's the direction we're going. Um. Do you think that's ethical? Hmm. I. Hmm. It's a very good question, but. Just to harp on the fact, I think it, at that point, if basically you can like, I mean, basically demand screen time from an individual, companies are basically going to be paying per person, right? So you're like, I will outbid all of my competitors to show them my ad instead of all of them, right? So, I mean, if it's like, I mean, at that point, are YouTube ads ethical you know like if you're using the screen and like just like cat like watching youtube or whatever on it like is it unethical for them to show you ads right and then do you just and then the company that makes those screens do you just pay them a fee so you don't even see ads and then they're the ones that really win you know so i wouldn't say it's unethical i guess it depends how like uh how those screens really work that's really the big question yeah, it, I think it depends if you are opting in to see ads or if you have no choice and they're everywhere. Um, yeah. Like for YouTube, you can pay a little bit extra and they won't advertise to you. So it's purely, it seems to be like a financial thing. Um, yeah. But if, it, but, but if it's like billboards or like live screens everywhere that are kind of tracking you and can show you ads and stuff, that feels less voluntary and that feels yeah. more like, and I, and I fear that that's where we're going. Like that, yeah. that seems like we're going to like hyper personalization with marketing where you, the individual are basically followed around and oh, yeah. we already have the infrastructure built for it. You're walking around with Bluetooth, Mac addresses, Wi-Fi. that's, you know, whatever maybe linked to you somehow we already have infrastructure built to track people where they're going and market to them. So the only missing component is that loop for somebody to finish it and actually have like smart banners and stuff. Yeah. I mean, even just imagine like driving down the highway and this billboard just changes to like a normal display Person. ad. Yeah. Yeah. And it just like either like reads your license and knows that that state and license number is tied to you. Like it could get very personalized very quickly which probably isn't the best but <laughs> exactly that's that's kind yeah. of what i'm trying to get at it's like it's so exciting to think about the future but it's also a little bit frightening when you really understand kind of like what, 
like how we understand the level to which it can get. Yeah. I mean, even if you just go, I mean, I wasn't even in like the marketing analytics space five years ago, but if you'll look at the data that is available now compared to then, and then just think about, you know, all those laws that basically say how much data is increasing and how much more we're collecting, like it's going to speed up very quickly here soon. Right. So I think that 10 to 15 years isn't too crazy, but so many possibilities. Yeah, we're we're really, you know, I, I think technology is improving at like an incredible rate right now. Um, yeah, we're so close to a generalized artificial intelligence. It's like you were so close to it. Like I can see it. Can't you yeah. see it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just going to become like, an, I mean, I think it's just going to become a normal part of life, basically, right? Like, it's, I mean, think about like, and it goes back to like, looking in the past and like, 50 years ago, like, no one would imagine everyone's carrying around iPhones, you know, like, that's crazy. And then think about how much quickly it's gone up in the last like, 20 years. And now think about like, even how much quicker it's going to go. So I think there's pros and cons, you know, on both sides for like how great it's going to be and then how like uh, scary, you know. I think that generalized AI and the answer to the MTA model come hand in hand. Like those would be technologies of, of similar sophistication. There's more to this, but I want to move on um, because I feel I fear we could talk about this for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, we definitely could. <laughs> Um, let me ask you about social media analytics and the value proposition, the difference in value proposition between large and small businesses. So you're, yeah. you, you're selling to businesses or maybe individuals. So what's the difference like for an IBM versus Alex, you know, I just set up a 10 person company or something and I, I want to see what's in the market. What's the difference or is there? Any? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think there's a difference. And I will say that I have never specifically managed a social media account apart from our startups, LinkedIn. So TSC Analytics is really the only one that I've managed. But over the past year, like talking to social media managers, I've definitely got an idea of really how it all works behind the scenes and how much effort and care can be put into like content creation and like capitalizing on viral events and i think to go back to your original question with the difference between large and small companies and if you want to call them that using social media is i think that they just have different goals overall right so for a smaller company if you don't have a ton of followers and you're really trying to build your reach i think you really need to be focusing on viral content right or even kind of industry expertise what's blowing up in your industry that you can kind of break into and be there at the forefront so that you're kind of starting to be seen as a thought leader and people are beginning to recognize your brand, all of that. So really trying to break in is the really the big thing for the smaller companies. And then I think for larger companies like an IBM, it's really about maintaining. And then I think one of the biggest things that larger companies do is announce new products, right? 
So I think there's those are really the two biggest things that they're focusing on. And I think they can be done really well. Like what's the the best example is probably the Taco Bell blackout, all of that. I think there's just so many different examples of how well and that even comes back to the viral marketing, right? Like the more people that and I think that's the overall goal is the more people that you get talking about your brand the more they're going to recognize you and be willing to check out what you have and kind of just be get more involved in whatever way that your business really wants them to, if that's sales or just engagement or users, right? So I think that's really how that all plays out between the big and small. Yeah, would you say that an additional difference is that big companies would use social media probably defensively to a certain degree to see where possible like negative uh, feedback is coming from and try to correct using it. Whereas smaller companies are probably more interested in the positive like opportunities um, to expand into because they probably don't have a user base that's complaining about certain things. They probably don't have the critical mass yet. So they're looking at opportunities, whereas bigger companies are probably also looking at threats. They're also looking at opportunities too, but, but I don't think smaller people are looking at um, threats. Yeah, I totally agree. The d- bigger companies are definitely... I wouldn't say like mainly focused, but they're definitely focused on like brand threat management, like seeing if some, I mean, just go back to like the BPA baby bottle craze and how much that went viral and kind of screwed up so many different things just from social media, right? And people talking online. So I think that it is very much threat management. And with the smaller companies, I mean, there's very low likelihood I feel like they would have a threat. And if they do have some type of a threat, I feel like that could even become an opportunity if there's like a bigger company that they can go after. Right. And it's really just about getting in front of as many people again. Right. Like, I guess it goes back to is all press good press, you know? So I think there's a line there as well. Right. I have a question. It might sound a little bit odd, but shouldn't it be public relations job to manage the social media interaction of companies? Or do you think that the responsibility is in marketing? Hmm. That's a good question. I do think, I mean, just in the name, right? PR, public relations. I mean, it definitely is in the realm of maintaining the public image, right? Which in this day and age, like most of that is going to come from social media, right? So I think there's a lot of, crossover there and those teams definitely and especially at smaller companies they're probably falling into the same person's lap right and all of that workload so i totally agree and like i said with social media nowadays like that's the number one way that you really have to be on the lookout right for what something that could go bad with the brand yeah i have kind of a cheeky question for you recently i've been thinking about the big companies commenting on people's posts on LinkedIn when they join yeah. the company and they're like, welcome. And then they yeah. get, you know, a bunch of likes and give them exposure. It sounds, yep. it sounds nice. I may be a little bit jealous that, that nobody did it for <laughs> me yet, but it seems a little bit like a waste, um, to, of, of everybody's attention to just like randomly just comment, like, welcome to, to all the time. Like if, if mm. I, if you follow a bunch of companies, you're going to see that all the time. And, is there really very much value in that? Like, do you, do you think companies should be doing that? I think it's definitely a different approach. 
And I think what you said at, during your question is the answer, like, you're jealous that they didn't do it for you. So the person that they did do it to is probably like, wow, like IBM commented on my post, like, I love this brand, you know, like, I think it comes back to like building that. And this is, I think, like the goal of that campaign, right, is to like build that employer to employee, like we're both in this together. Like our huge account is willing to comment on your post that probably gets a few hundred likes on your own, but we'll kind of blow it up. Like, I think it's, uh, it can show up on my post. I like some of them. Why not? You know, see who's joining companies. It's not too bad. You're right. I like that. That's okay. <laughs> I love that. That's a great answer. I think that's actually yeah. a great note to end on. Trevor, I want to yeah. thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Love being on here. Yeah. It's, it's been wonderful. I'll have to get you on sometime again. Yeah. I'm sure we'll chat soon. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I'll hold you to it. And thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.